Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected the stories that are most entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into medieval British traditions. Our versions may not be the myth you're familiar with, but we hope you enjoy them. And be warned, today's episode contains depictions and discussions of violence, sex, murder, and fantasy danger. Please exercise caution for listeners under 13. I never lied to King Arthur. I have done everything in my power to get the one true king on the throne and keep him there. You have to understand, I've never broken my vow to serve the crown. That same vow rang in my head as I watched Arthur joust to save Camelot. This time, it was not the king or Merlin who chose the battle, but me. Oh, and this time, he didn't have Excalibur. This is where I remind you that I've kept all my promises to Arthur. But wait, you say, why would a loyal servant of the crown enter her king into a perilous joust? And why would she replace his enchanted sword and sheath with fakes? For his own good, of course. Turning Arthur against his queen is the only way to save him from her trickery. Someone has to stop the wheels of fate before they take their first turn, and I'm the only one brave enough. So yes, I sent the king into a duel, improperly armed, against a knight who would not bleed. Dangerous? Perhaps. But it will take some danger to remind the king just how fragile he is. And Arthur needs reminding. He's gained so much power. But power makes men stubborn. And when they grow too stubborn, they need to be knocked off their horse. Quite literally. I hated to see Arthur hurt. But what king won't shed his blood for the good of his kingdom? Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Last week, Morgana Le Fay discovered that Queen Guinevere was prophesied to cause Camelot's downfall. Today, we'll follow our anti-hero as she fights for the future of her kingdom, even if it means tricking her king. Coming up, Morgana's scheme hits a snag. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is your last chance to enter the Ohio Lottery's Fun Turns 50 promotion. Score $3,500 and two tickets to the epic party at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where you could win part of another $400,000 in cash prizes. Enter the new 50th anniversary scratch-off or $50 worth of eligible non-winning $5 or $10 scratch-offs and My Lotto Rewards through the Ohio Lottery app. Hurry up. The last entry deadline is May 13th. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly.
Morgana watched King Arthur through the pouring rain. He was dressed in a full suit of armor and seated on a massive horse, charging at full gallop through wet grass. The king aimed his lance at the knight across from him, the knight who'd taken Arthur and Morgana captive. Or at least Arthur thought the knight was responsible. In truth, this was all part of Morgana's plan. Her chains were for show, and the opposing knight, an exceptionally well-armed pawn. So well-armed that when Arthur's lance pierced the knight's elbow, it came out clean. And not just because of the rain. This knight didn't bleed. Arthur stiffened on his charger, clearly terrified, but he motioned to go again, slouching in his saddle. They'd already been going for hours. Arthur was starting to show it, his heavy lance bobbing as he charged again. Morgana almost felt bad for the king. Almost. When Arthur and the knight charged again, both lance tips struck their targets hard. King Arthur and his opponent toppled from their horses. Arthur rose shakily to his feet. Limping to Morgana, he raised a bleeding arm. She quickly produced a healing potion and poured it over his wound. I don't understand. He drew blood, even though Excalibur's sheath rests right here on my hip. The enchantment must have faded. To think, yesterday I lent the sword and sheath to you with such confidence. What if it was you that was harmed? Apologies. I didn't know what danger we were in. Arthur, focus on the matter at hand. Your opponent didn't bleed when you hit him. I know. I'm fighting a demon. It's simpler than that. I think that when the Lord captured us, he stole Excalibur and swapped it with a replica. You're sure? No, but it's more likely he's a petty thief than a monster. So, if I recover the sword and sheath, I can win. Reinvigorated, Arthur ran back to finish the fight. Back on his horse, he once again charged his opponent, Lance aimed at the knight's head. He missed. Arthur's opponent knocked him to the ground once more, then leapt from his horse to fight Arthur hand to hand. Before Arthur knew it, the knight loomed over him, sword raised to strike. At close range, Arthur could see that Morgana was right. It was Excalibur. Arthur rolled over, kicking his opponent behind the knee. The knight crumpled, and Arthur rolled over, pinning the knight down. The knight's head flopped forward, helmet sinking into the mud. Arthur reached for Excalibur. He managed to free his sword and grab the sheath right as the knight sprang to his feet, flinging Arthur backward. The sheath went flying. The knight clamped a hand over Excalibur's hilt. He squeezed hard, trying to edge Arthur off. The blade held steady between the two men, scarily close to Arthur's neck. Praying this would work, Arthur tightened his grip on the hilt and pulled. Excalibur slid from the knight's grip like his hands were butter. Arthur thrust forward, stopping the point just before his enemy's neck. Sir, take off your helmet so I can look you in the eye and hear your story. Forget the formalities! Just kill him already! I must rule the realm with honor! There's no honor if he kills you first. Fair point. Any last words? Sir, you have bested me, but let all who hear know... The Knights of the Round Table stand for peace and justice. I may die, but I die with honor in the name of the one true king, King Arthur. But I'm King Arthur. Excuse me? Let me take off this helmet. I said I am King Arthur. How dare you try to slay me in my own name? How? But my king, I don't understand. King Arthur, let me remove my helmet to show you my true face. Take care, Arthur. He may have enchanted himself to fool you. <sighs> Sir Gawain? Indeed, it is I, fair-haired and mighty as any ever saw me. 
Well, you certainly boast like the real Sir Gawain. And you, the real Arthur, the one true king? The very man who pulled the sword from the stone. Sir Gawain, how dare you betray the king? I did not intend to betray. I came on the queen's orders. She sent me with a magical sword she found in a well. Just as Merlin's prophecy said, Queen Guinevere nearly destroyed Camelot. No, she plans to save it. She sent me to rescue Arthur, not kill him. A likely cover story. Perhaps if you'd let me finish it, you'd drop your sarcastic tone. When I arrived here, the steward of the Second Right Manor told me I must fight his lord if I wanted to free my king. And I thought you were the lord. I sincerely believed I was rescuing you. But even so, I have raised arms against you. I deserve to be punished. On your feet, Sir Gawain. I'll need your help. You aren't going to kill me? It's a terrible practice to kill one of my own knights. And I'm assured you were hoodwinked. I too fought for my freedom and my kingdom. Oh, sweet relief. I'll take my magical sword back then, my king. You'll do no such thing. It's my sword, Excalibur. Return to its rightful owner after this trickery. But still, one question remains. Where is the lord of this decrepit castle? The man who is behind all of this? Forget that. Let's head back to Camelot. I cannot allow outright rebellion. I will invite the lord to serve me and offer him a seat at the round table. If he refuses, I shall kill him. You'd invite a man who captured and tricked you to join your highest order? Whoever he is, he's certainly powerful and clever. He could make a valuable ally. Fine. I accept. Come again? Morgana shook off her chains, rising just above the ground. Her cloak whipped around her, and her wrinkled party dress transformed into a suit of armor. Morgana took a knee before Arthur. I accept. I'd be honored to pledge the oath of the Order of the Round Table. You see, Arthur, I am the lady of this castle. I brought you here to prove myself once and for all. You've seen time and time again how I can save you, and now, what schemes and tricks I can pull upon any who dare to challenge you. This moldy castle is yours? It's not moldy, but yes, it is mine. Morgana, what in God's name were you thinking? You just said anyone who can outwit you deserves a place at the round table. But not someone who would betray me. How can I ever trust you after this? Morgana, you, you kidnapped me, tricked me, locked me in a dungeon for three days, stole Excalibur? She also trapped Queen Guinevere in a well. You trapped my wife in a well? To ensure she was no longer a threat? You heard Merlin's prophecy. He's been right in the past. And Guinevere, she doesn't love you the way you love her. Merlin's right. She will betray you. Morgana, this is not easy for me. After this, you've earned your place in Camelot as a prisoner. You shall return to the castle in chains. Morgana's expression turned stony. A sudden gust of wind billowed through the clearing, whipping her robes. She lifted her arms and rose into the air. Arthur lunged to grab her legs, but missed. The simple curse should have held Arthur for only a few seconds, but with emotions running high, Morgana forced too much energy outward. It stopped the king cold. He was frozen in place, mouth agape. Arthur? Arthur's petrified body tipped over, arms and legs rigid as he hit the soggy grass. Shocked, Morgana fell, nearly landing atop the king. Slipping over wet grass, she summoned a healing charm, pulling vials of herbs and tonics from her cape. Arthur stayed silent, unconscious. 
She felt for a pulse. Nothing. Morgana continued chanting healing spells, tears coursing down her face and splattering onto Arthur's armor. It wasn't supposed to happen like this. Sir Gawain was supposed to die, not Arthur. They'd blame the plot on Guinevere, exile her, and Camelot would become the greatest kingdom in history, unhindered by Guinevere's scheming. Arthur was never supposed to get hurt. Morgana continued her spells, drawing energy from the thunder above her and the meadow around her. She transformed it, pushing it into Arthur's heart and lungs, until someone threw her aside. Merlin. In one motion, he swept King Arthur's body into his arms and vanished. Coming up, Morgana Le Fay forges a new path and a new plan for Camelot. What could be more shocking than uncovering the dark secrets behind history's biggest stories? Realizing that everything you thought was true was a lie. Hi, it's Molly from the Parkhead series Conspiracy Theories. Each week, we take a closer look at the blurred line between fact and fiction, revealing that there may be more to the so-called truth than you think. The rise and fall of J. Edgar Hoover, 75 years of Roswell, the tragic death of Princess Diana. On Conspiracy Theories, we leave no stone unturned and no skeptic unheard. Some may be just outlandish claims. Others may make you rethink everything. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Conspiracy Theories. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. After Merlin absconded with King Arthur's body, Morgana spent the better part of a fortnight distraught. A single thought chased itself through her mind. I killed King Arthur. Yeah, how can you be sure, my lady? There's been no word from Camelot. Morgana was in bed with Acalon, her consort. Of course not. Merlin will keep it quiet and rule in his stead until he can find another true king. I have to overthrow him. Or you could simply overthrow me. Get off. I'm being serious. If the one true king is a puppet, why let Merlin be the puppet master? Why not me? I could be your puppet. Echelon, I will throw you out of this bed. Apologies, my lady. You know, I always dreamed of marrying a princess. Queen Morgana and King Acalon. Uh, uh, Queen Morgana Le Fay and King Acalon the Constant. Yeah. Acalon, you're missing the point. I wouldn't reign as myself. We'll let the people think Arthur lives and breathes for as long as we can, while I make every major decision. Maybe it was always meant to be this way. Maybe King Arthur is a symbol more than a person, an ideal to strive for. Makes sense to me, but how are you going to pull this off? Simple. I'll sneak into Camelot, steal Excalibur's sheath from Arthur's grave. Then, once I'm protected from injury, I'll fight Merlin to the death. Before anyone finds out he's dead, I'll disguise myself as Arthur and begin my reign. Ah, so then you'll captain the Knights of the Round Table. No. If they won't have me among their ranks, I'll burn the order to the ground. <laughs> Not you, of course. Not as long as you know where to stick your sword. Oh, good. <laughs> Would you still be a princess? Only for you. 
Sneaking into Camelot was simple enough. Morgana disguised herself as Guinevere, and no one asked questions. Finding Arthur's body was even easier. They'd left the king in his own bedchamber, in his own bed. They hadn't even had the decency to put a shirt on the man. Anyone who happened upon Arthur might think he was sleeping. Except for the fact that he was armed, sword and scabbard across his waist. The sight made Morgana's breath hitch. She'd really killed him. Until this moment, she'd hoped she was wrong, that he hadn't died. She'd never intended to harm Arthur, much less murder him. But here he was, the victim of her magic. Tears fell from Morgana's cheeks, staining Arthur's silk bedsheets. There would be time to grieve later. She had a kingdom to save. Morgana quickly unbuckled the sheath, leaving Excalibur on the bed. With a sigh, she transformed back into her own visage and leaned down to lightly kiss his forehead. <sighs> Goodbye, Arthur. Arthur's eyes snapped open. His hands grabbed her shoulders. Who? Uh, Morgana? You're alive? Of course. Did you not mean to keep me alive? I thought I couldn't save you. Merlin took your body. Merlin told me Sir Gawain's blows would have killed me if you hadn't intervened. Merlin may be angry with you, but he gives credit where it's due. Are you angry with me too? Yes, but you're still my sister, even if you made a mistake. Come back to Camelot, give up that wretched castle. You can be one of Guinevere's ladies. Advise my court. One of Guinevere's ladies? You'll never understand. Morgana, I could have your head for what you've done. Morgana snatched Arthur's sheath and lifted off, flying above his bed. Try me. My scabbard! Fly down here and give it back. Why should I? It looks good on me. Feeling vulnerable down there? Morgana, this isn't time for games. You're drunk on your own power, Arthur. I'll return the scabbard when you've sobered up. With Excalibur's scabbard buckled around her waist, Morgana flew out the castle window. She soared over the candlelit city of Camelot, above open fields and valleys lit by stars. Stealing the scabbard was impulsive, but it was a bargaining chip while she figured out her next move. As relieved as she was that Arthur lived, it did throw a snag in her plans. No sense in overthrowing Merlin now. As she flew, Morgana felt the sheath drag in the air, slowing her down. Flying was even more tiring than usual. Since she was well outside of Camelot, Morgana landed on a stone path to walk. She hadn't gone far enough. Within minutes, she heard the horses. Morgana took to the air again, as knights bearing the sigil of the round table caught up with her, arrows knocked. The knights and their horses were fast, Arthur on Shamray, fastest of all. Return the scabbard, Morgana, else my men will have no choice but to shoot you down. Morgana ignored the command, flying faster. She spotted a lake and turned, skimming over the water. Arrows whizzed by her. Morgana banked hard to dodge them, the edge of the scabbard dipping into the lake's surface. An arrow hit her calf. It didn't hurt, per se, but itched and tingled. She yanked it out of her flesh, bloodless, the scabbard was doing its job. Morgana dropped the arrow into the water as another struck her arm. This one felt awfully hot. Morgana looked down and was startled to discover that her arm was on fire, which meant across the lake, the knights were setting their arrows ablaze. Morgana shrieked and flew low, dunking the arm in the water to quench the flames. She cursed under her breath. The scabbard made her impenetrable to blades and arrows, but she doubted it would keep her from burning to death. She saw two options, up 
or down. Flying higher would be exhausting, and she'd run the risk of falling out of the sky. But hiding underwater put her at the mercy of whatever creatures might live in this lake, be it sea serpents or sirens. Unless she could split the difference, Morgana loosened the sheath's belt. She took a deep breath and rocketed high into the gray clouds. Then she dropped Excalibur's sheath into the lake. It landed with a splash and sunk like a stone. Morgana would come back for it later. She only hoped that by leaving it behind, the knights would give up their chase. She sped to the opposite beach and sank into the sand like a stone herself, exhausted. The knights were still coming. Morgana cursed and reached into her robes. She drew out a vial of gritty green sludge and opened it. She rubbed the liquid over her body, curling into a ball. Then she waited. I saw her fall. She landed here somewhere. Search the shoreline, knights. Leave no stone unturned. I swear, my king, she is nowhere. The witch has vanished. Men, retire. I've changed my mind. But she stole your scabbard, then trapped your wife in a well. We have to capture the witch. It's impossible in this darkness, Sir Gawain. I will not waste our energy or put my men in harm's way. Morgana has the upper hand here. Someday, knights seeking to prove their valor will quest to retrieve my sheath. Until then, I still have Excalibur and the Knights of the Round Table at my command. She cannot best me. Understood, my king. Back to Camelot! Yeah. The Knights had left a stone unturned and that stone transformed back into Morgana. She ran her hands through her long hair, shaking out the moss and grit. Morgana set out for her castle. She was too tired to summon the sheath from the bottom of the lake. It could be retrieved later, when it was convenient. While she no longer had it, neither did Arthur. And once she helped him realize he was vulnerable, he'd come crawling back to her. Every day Arthur kept Guinevere in his court, the danger grew. Sir Gawain already served her. Before long, all the knights would be in her pocket. There was only one way to help Arthur, by destroying the Knights of the Round Table. To save Camelot, she would have to kill them all. Morgana found her chance even sooner than she expected. Walking along the lakeshore, she came upon a knight with two bound and gagged captives. Pieces of armor and flags marked with the sigil of the round table lay scattered on the shore nearby. So this was what Arthur's precious knights did when he wasn't watching. The captives screamed into their gags as the knight tied stones to their necks. The knight carried one of them, a woman, into the lake. Rogue! I said stop! The knight heaved the woman into deep water, submerging her upside down. Her bare feet bobbed in the shallow waves. Morgana rushed into the water, diving to untie the stone from the woman's neck. She set the sputtering woman upright and told her to swim to shore. Then Morgana turned to the rogue knight, who was dragging his male captive into the lake. I have no patience for dishonorable knights. Gluck eh, I'm a dunne. Morgana's spell caused water to spray up, catching the early morning sunshine. It encircled the night like an opaque, glimmering fishbowl. It would have been beautiful if the night inside wasn't screaming. 
Morgana dove again, resurfacing with the male captive, free of the stone. She removed his gag and set about untying his wrists. He pulled away from her. No, no, Lady Lynette first. Morgana nodded, turning to help untie the lady, but she was out of sight. Lady Lynette? Lady Lynette! You brought her to shore, didn't you? I set her up right just there, then captured your aggressor. <laughs> Lady Lynette can't swim! Morgana dove underwater. She spotted Lady Lynette drifting near the lake floor and pulled her to the surface. But none of Morgana's spells could save the lady. <laughs> Don't be angry. You did save me. She would have died even if you hadn't interfered. It is destiny. I prefer to thwart destiny. It comes for us all. Even my attacker. How did you ever overcome him? He's sitting in the water, just there, behind the spray. I trapped him in an illusion. He thinks he's drowning, but he's perfectly alive. It'll wear off in a few weeks, though I doubt he'll ever go near a lake again. A sorceress? Incredible! You, you saved my life, and for that I am deeply indebted to you. My name is Sir Manison, and you may find me a fine ally. I was recently dubbed a Knight of the Round Table. A what? A Knight of the Round Table? It's a new order King Arthur and Queen Guinevere dreamed up. You probably haven't heard of it. Highest honor in the realm. I know King Arthur. I'm his advisor, Morgana. Oh, the half-sister! Then you understand what a glorious deed you've done! Not entirely. Who exactly did I entrap? Why, Lady Lynette's husband. He caught us together, it had us tied up and on the beach before I had a chance to put my breeches on. He would have killed us both if you hadn't stopped him. By God's bones. You mean to say that not only did I just save a knight of the round table, I also helped you get away with an affair? Yes, and you should be so proud of your efforts, Lady Morgana. Up next, Morgana debates killing the knight she'd just rescued. Now, back to the story. Nothing had gone the way Morgana expected it to. Her half-brother, the king, was still alive, though he refused to knight her. Instead, he took the side of the wife prophesied to betray him— in a last bid to prove herself, Morgana stole the sheath that made its wearer invincible, hiding it in a lake. Then, mere moments after she vowed to destroy King Arthur's knights, she'd accidentally rescued one. She thought she was being noble, but in fact, she'd prevented a dishonorable man from receiving his punishment. She groaned internally as the knight, Sir Manison, kneeled before her. And you ought to know I never took advantage of Lady Lynette. She admired my bravery. It was my right to bend her. And never a word about a husband. <laughs> and tell me, Sir Manison, other than lying with other knights' wives, how do you spend your time? I'm returning to Camelot after a long and glorious quest. I've saved a village from a thief. I even retrieved a cape that allows the wearer to see anyone they want while remaining invisible. I look forward to the feast in my honor. You must be quite exhausted. Say, come visit my castle. You can rest before the final leg of your journey. A visit with the king's half-sister? What an honor! Certainly. Come along. You have a horse, I presume. We can ride together. Gather your things. And don't forget the cape. By supper, Morgana and Sir Manison were back at Morgana's castle, alone. Upon arrival, she'd sent Sir Accolon to drive away the wild geese that had settled on the outskirts of the estate. He'd be at work for days, giving her plenty of time to enjoy Sir Manison and plot how to use him against Arthur. Unique smell about this place. Wheatgrass? Perhaps. I haven't lived here long. Ah, I see. 
Very kind of King Arthur to set up his sister with the castle. Yes, he's so thoughtful. As you can see, I have plenty of space, even room for a new lord, should I wish to remarry. A woman as resplendent as you could have anyone. Oh, I have my pick of suitors, Sir Manison. They've been nearly nonstop. You're lucky I'm returning from traveling, or there might not be a bed for you. <laughs> oh, I always get a bed, even if I must share. Oh, the Knights of the Round Table are a cozy lot? <laughs> Perhaps not with each other, but with others. I see. You have many friends. And many accomplishments. Let me show you the cape. I wrested it from an awful lord who used it to rob his own people. It's rather plain. It looks better on a beautiful lady. I see. What shall I wear it with? Nothing else. Sir Manison, how dare you! Uh, apologies. I, I, I thought you asked me here to repay you for saving my life. Not like that, sir. I am a lady, the sister of the king. If you think I should allow just any knight to kiss me... I, I, I shouldn't have. My deepest apologies. I suppose now I owe you two favors. I suppose you do. And perhaps then I shall thank you with a kiss. How do you think King Arthur will use this magical cape? I hadn't given it a thought. I suppose to watch over the land? You mean to keep his knights from propositioning other men's wives or sisters? You think it's a bad gift? No, its surveillance powers could be very useful to the king. I was only teasing. Though, to be perfectly honest, Queen Guinevere will call it ugly. You think? She seems so kind. She is kind, which is why I'm warning you to take care in presenting it. So she's not offended. She won't tell you if she is. You say my whole quest, it's all for naught? There will be no feast in my honor? Nonsense! You stopped a thief from his wickedness. And perhaps... Perhaps I could alter the cape. I know Queen Guinevere's taste. I could embroider it with her favorite gemstones. Yes, an even grander gift to bring the royal couple. Leaving Sir Manison alone, Morgana wore the cape to her bedchambers, locking the doors behind her. She swished it around, spinning in circles and looking in the mirror to test its power. When she turned left, her reflection disappeared. And when she turned right, the cape showed a vision of Akalon, who'd been hovering in the back of her mind all evening. His image appeared on the cape's lining, fast asleep in a meadow, cuddling with a wild goose. An incredible piece of enchantment. Arthur won't be getting his hands on this. Though that didn't mean Sir Manison had to return empty-handed. Morgana rustled in her wardrobe, locating a similarly colored cape of her own. She took it to her cauldron and dipped it into her slimy metamorphosis potion. As Morgana swished the normal cape around, it transformed into a bejeweled masterpiece, gleaming with gold embroidery and brilliant gemstones that sparkled like embers in a fire. Queen Guinevere would love it. For the final touch, Morgana layered on one more enchantment, a little surprise for the queen. There was one more thing Morgana wanted that night. She returned to Sir Manison's room, where the handsome knight made good on all the favors he owed her, and then some. The next morning, Morgana showed Sir Manison the bejeweled cape. It's nearly as beautiful as you. Yes, so you mustn't wear it for fear it'll get dirty. Let the queen be the first. She'll love it so much, she may even elevate you to duke. Duke? I would make a fine duke, my lady. I'm not your lady. Yet. Keep her secret while you're in Camelot and return to me when you're able. Morgana grinned as Sir Manison nodded eagerly. After one night at her castle, the knight would do anything for her. (laughs) 
Sir Manison arrived in Camelot without incident, the bejeweled mantle stowed safely in his saddlebags. He found the Knights of the Round Table in the midst of a feast. He took his seat at the table in high spirits and was pleased when the king noticed him. Sir Manison, it is good to see you home from your quest. Tell us of your mighty journeys. It is good to be back, my king. As some of you know, I returned to defend my home village after they reported a dragon stealing their valuables by night. I sat watch, armed and ready to slay the beast. That night I spotted a lantern, floating in the air all on its own. I seized the lantern, engaging in a tug of war with the air itself. When I pulled harder, a hand appeared, then an entire arm. Alas, it was no dragon, but a thief. He used a magical cape to become invisible. But that wasn't all the cape did. Spin one way, you become unseeable. Spin the other way, you can see anyone. For months, this cape had allowed the thief to prey on the village, but now I had him in my grasp. I quickly bested him, heard his confession, and forced him to return the stolen goods. Alas, I was unable to identify the cape's original owner, but I thought that it might make a fine gift for the Lady of Camelot, Queen Guinevere. I present it to you now. A cape that turns the wearer invisible? How remarkable. Thank you, Sir Manison. You have done well. It is thanks enough to know that I have been of use to my king. Of course, I might be even more useful with an improved title and lands to manage. A dukedom, perhaps? Dukedom? Wherever did you get that idea? Uh, I apologize if I've overstepped my king. It's just your sister, the sorceress Morgana. She believed you'd reward me amply. You've seen Morgana? Sir Manison, have you worn this cape before? You're certain it does what you say it will? Of course! I tested its powers immediately after winning it from the thief. Hmm. Perhaps we should see a demonstration. At once. And when you see its power, I suspect you will reconsider my reward. Sir Manison tossed the cape over his shoulders. The gems caught the torchlight, casting an incredible orange sparkle over the round table and on the knight's faces. The glowing light grew brighter as Sir Manison burst into flames. Before anyone could move, Sir Manison was a pile of ashes on the floor. Arthur leapt to his feet, astonished. Morgana! She's cursed the cape! And it was meant for Guinevere. She's gone too far this time. Several of Arthur's knights closed in around him, ready to defend him from any more curses. He knew no more would come, but he allowed them to escort him out of the hall and back to his chambers. He needed to think. He wished he could go back, undo the decisions that had led them here. Maybe if he'd created a title for Morgana, found some way to show he didn't take her for granted. But it was too late now. His sister had turned against him. Worse, she was armed with the scabbard that would make her invincible. And if there was any truth to Sir Manison's story, a cape that would make her invisible. Arthur stewed in helpless anger until Guinevere found him. As she stroked his hair and whispered comforting words, he felt his frustrations turn into resolve. It didn't matter why Morgana had turned against him, only that she wasn't coming back. He knew what he had to do. The next morning, Arthur stood at the center of the round table with Guinevere at his side. He took a breath, then addressed the knights seated around him. Knights of Camelot, as you may suspect, the death of good Sir Manison was not an unlucky accident. He was murdered by my own sister, 
the sorceress Morgana. Worse, I believe my wife, Queen Guinevere, was the target of her curse. With this attempted assassination, Morgana adds to a growing list of crimes. Kidnapping, sabotage, thievery, tampering with unlawful magics, treason, and now murder. Her intentions could not be more clear. And so, let me be clear. From this day forth, Morgana will be known as an enemy of Camelot. Should you encounter her, it is your sworn duty to bring her to justice by whatever means necessary. Miles away, Morgana cursed beneath her enchanted cape. Thanks to its magic, she had watched Arthur's entire proclamation, and she was not pleased. An enemy of Camelot, am I? After I helped put the brat on his throne? And to think that I once believed he could save this land. Now look at him, mad with power, corrupted by his wife and wizard. Soon he'll be as bad as any tyrant who wore the crown. And I gave it to him. I did this. So I must undo it. Then let them call me a villain. Let them call me a witch. (laughs) And why shouldn't they? My magic is as great as any of the high faith from the old tales. Strong enough to shake Camelot to its very foundations. I will do what is necessary to set Britannia free. Even if it means Camelot in ruins. Even if it means the death of Arthur. Through her cloak, Morgana saw the great oak doors of Arthur's Hall swing suddenly open. The round table grew quiet as every knight turned to see the cause of the interruption. A page boy hurried in, leaving the door open behind him. Through the archway, a knight could be seen waiting in the courtyard. He was mounted on a white horse and dressed in a white tunic over silver armor. Gawain was closest to the door and got up to meet the page boy. They spoke for a moment, then Gawain turned to address the court. Uh, King Arthur, a man has just arrived requesting an audience. He says he wishes to join the Order of the Round Table. Good. The stories of your deeds are spreading. Soon, brave warriors will come from all over the land to join your ranks. We need them now more than ever. From whence does this newcomer herald? That's the strange part. He claims that he comes from Avalon, from the Isle of the Fae. Avalon? Nimue must have sent him. I'll see him at once. Sir Gawain, did the man give his name? He did, your highness. He called himself Lancelot. Lancelot of the Lake. Morgana watched all of this transpire, but while most of the court hung on Arthur's words, she was focused on Guinevere. She watched the queen with interest, noting the way she strained for a view of the stranger, cheeks flushed with excited curiosity. A thin smile spread across Morgana's lips, a plan taking shape in her mind. Merlin predicted that Guinevere would cause Camelot's downfall. For once, I think I might enjoy seeing the old wizard's prophecy come true. Heed my words. King Arthur will rue the day he made an enemy of Morgana Le Fay. While Morgana Le Fay features in the earliest Arthurian legends, she didn't get a complete story until the Vulgate Cycle in the 1200s. These anonymous tales about King Arthur and his knights flesh out Morgana as more than simply Arthur's talented half-sister. Through the cycle, she becomes a villain, a witch. But it's not her magic that makes her quote-unquote evil. Sorcerer characters like Merlin and the Lady of the Lake are helpers and heroes. Even King Arthur has access to magic. He carries the sheath of Excalibur, which guarantees he'll never bleed as long as he wears it. Other legends even speak of the mantle of Arthur, which makes the wearer invisible while allowing them to see others. 
Instead, it's Morgana's position outside social norms that make her a villain. After the death of her husband, Urian, Morgana is an unmarried woman who schemes for what she wants, overpowers knights, and owns her own home. In short, a threat to Europe's white Christian patriarchy. As societal values transformed in the early medieval era, the character inspired by two pagan goddesses had to be recast as a sinner, a manifestation of the old ways that must be overcome. But while that made her a villain to medieval audiences, it's not how she began. Whether or not she's doomed to be remembered as one forever remains to be seen. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Every Wednesday, we dive into the dark origins of another classic fable. We'll be back next time with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Nick Johnson, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This episode of Mythology was written by Maggie Admire, edited by Molly Quinlan and Andrew Kelleher, fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Adriana Gomez, and produced by Freddie Beckley. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Drew Lawn, Melissa Medina, Ellie Schiff, and Julian Smith. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Mm-hmm.